Why does Ben Simmons want out of Philly? Where are the best places for him to go? Will he ever be the number two on a title-winning team? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the live Green Room show uh, on YouTube as well, simulcasting across the uh, all the, time, the whole internet. Uh, coming at you today, this morning on Sunday at about 9 a.m. Pacific time. Glad to see everybody out there, both on YouTube and on Green Room. Don't forget, if you want to come in the show and chop it up with me, you can download the Green Room app, uh, find me. It's in the link in the description below on the YouTube side, and uh, request to speak. And I bring everybody in all at the same time. We have a nice, rollicking good time and a, a good conversation. So how is everybody going? We already, it looks like we already have a request. Like, I kind of want to jump into the Ben Simmons discussion. I'm preparing a video on this to, uh, for a couple of reasons. But uh, let's bring in Martin right now and just see what he has to say. Martin, how's it going today? Yo, what's up? Hey, hey, you want to talk about Ben Simmons? Um, first off, like, um, so, like, you know how, like, the MJ versus LeBron comparisons has been going on? Um, like, what area, what is one area do you think that LeBron is better than MJ on both offense and defense? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um... I would probably say uh, what area would he be better at? I mean, shooting-wise, I think Michael's a better shooter overall consistently, and if they had the three-point shot as an emphasis, I think we would have seen that too, uh, and even just form-wise. So, um, you know, ball handling, no. I, I, it's hard to say what offensively. I suppose you'd say that LeBron's a better passer, um, and that also goes with in line with him just being a bigger and taller, and he can see easier over at defenses. So I'd say he's probably better at passing than Michael – um defensively I, I think pound for pound michael is still better i know my, lebron has more uh you know uh he could guard more positions because of his size and his strength and his uh, explosion but i just think effectively and impact wise michael was as as more if not or if not more impactful defensively than lebron ever was either so uh there's not a lot of things but it's it, you're splitting hairs at that point because they're both uh they're both that good but um, I don't know. What else do you think? What am I missing here that LeBron might be better than Michael at? Um, that's a good question to ask. But, like, both MJ and LeBron, they have both higher IQs. Mm-hmm. And, but, like, I'm not, it's, I'm not sure. But, like, I say, obviously, MJ's the GOAT. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, too. I do think that um, I've done a couple of videos, at least one or maybe two on this. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like uh, – and I, listen, full disclosure, I grew up in Chicago. We had season tickets from Michael's entire career. Um, so I, I, I have to acknowledge I'm probably a little bit biased, but I'm also one of the few people who's been able to see both these people live in person uh, You know, mm-hmm. at, at an age where I could comprehend what was going on. And so uh, as a result, uh, you know, you have to split hairs. You have to go like, okay – uh, Michael had better finals uh, across the board than than LeBron did uh, overall, and like, okay, that might have to be the why you put him ahead uh, ultimately. But um, it, it's a tough conversation. I mean, listen, one that we won't have to shy away from, but certainly one that uh, there is no clear cut answer. I'm not going to go to the death arguing uh, that Michael's better if someone else wants to come in on LeBron. I do find it interesting how like criticism of um, uh, or not criticism praise of Michael tends to bring out LeBron people who are get really upset about that and, and make sure they get their name LeBron's name in that conversation which is a little bit weird because uh, it's separated it needs it doesn't have to be all together and combined 
But um, I don't know. Either way, interesting conversation there. Um, yeah. I, I think, we, you know, what, let's let's get on the Ben Simmons thing. I, I did some preparation this morning about it. And I kind of wanted to talk about it, and I'll give you some ideas about what's going on. Obviously, if you haven't been paying attention, you've seen that there's been reports that Ben doesn't intend on reporting to training camp, uh, much less wants to play for the Sixers anymore. He wants out. Um, supposedly, maybe he wants to go to California to play for one of those teams, which, hey, listen, the weather is great. Uh, and then uh, three of the four teams uh, are, are worth playing for. The Kings are probably the one, but I don't know if he minds. He might just want to get out so badly. We had talked about uh, somebody had pitched last show where the offer could have been um, uh, Halliburton and Buddy Heald. And I said, absolutely, if that's the deal, then the, the Sixers have to take that. Turns out, I think that's what they were asking. And the Kings were like, no way, which is good because I, I think it would have been probably too much for Ben Simmons, even though Simmons is a top you know, fill in the blank, uh, you know, top, geez, what is he? Uh, top 20 player, you know, probably. Uh, we have a, a super chat. Thank you so much for this. this is how you get If you're on the YouTube side and you want to get my attention right away on the comments, uh, this is the best way to do it. We have Orlando Sablon the third. Uh, why are GMs bowing down to Rich Paul? Um, I think that they're not, right, because they haven't made the deal yet. I think, uh, you know, uh, although what other deals are we referring to then? Is there anything else I'm missing besides uh, – Wait, I'm this, is Ben Simmons uh, – isn't Ben Simmons under Rich Paul? Uh, isn't that the whole thing? Um, <laughs> I, I, I will admittedly admit, uh, admit that, uh, that when it comes to, like, the age and stuff, I'm a little bit like – sometimes I forget who's doing where and where. But if you remind me, I'll take it. But if it's Rich Paul, then, you know, it's, it's clutch, right? And that's Ben Simmons. Um, so I think that there's an example here where they're not necessarily uh, making bad deals just to get, a, uh, you know, uh, Ben Simmons on their team. Um, now, I feel like there's another deal that happened, though, with Rich Paul. But remind me maybe in the comments and I'll see it. Um, ben, Simmons, ben Simmons is signed to Clutch, to clutch, clutch I can't speak, clutch, clutch Sports. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, isn't, and that's Rich Paul, right? Mm-hmm. And Tyrese yeah. Maxey, right. too. Right. And LeBron and everybody else, right? So, uh, yeah. I, I, so, I think that here's an example. I was listening to uh, Windhorse yesterday on his podcast, which is interesting. I don't listen to hardly any podcast because I don't want to get influenced unduly by, like, other people's takes. But I do listen to his because I think it's pretty good. Or it's really good. And he was saying how Rich Paul – just an interesting tidbit I noticed uh, that uh, he said I thought it was worth sharing – uh, you know, you, you could go to the mat with Rich Paul if you're a GM and it could get really contentious. He won't hold that against you on the next one for the next player, which is not what happens usually in the NBA. And so that's an interesting take where, you know, uh, teams don't need to be scared of him necessarily for doing, you know, negotiating tough with one player and then have to deal with him for another player. I feel like that's going to influence it. So that's good. I mean, that's how Rich Paul should approach all those anyway. So Dave Wu, thank you so much for another generous super chat. Uh, I thought of a name for your new defensive system, shadow defense, since the defense should be close behind the ball handler that he can't get rid of. Wow, shadow. I like it. I like it. Because, you know, chase chase defense is what I've been calling it. And um, I don't know. It's not exactly grabbing me perfectly. So shadow is interesting. I kind of like that. Dave, that's that's big. That's big. I'm going to make sure that I give you a shout out right now. And then if uh, if it sticks, then uh, Dave Wu. Dave, we're going to remember that name and, uh, and, and have the help for that name. Great, great call on that one. Um, so the Ben Simmons thing, let's talk about it. Oh, oh wow. Another super chat. Well, wow, thank you so much. Uh, Dietrich Morgan, uh, patience is key in the situation. Absolutely. I mean, the Sixers don't need to, they have four years of him. And, um, but here's, what's interesting is they could show up in the beginning of the year and not play him. He doesn't play whatever and just figure they'll be okay. But I'm looking at that lineup and I'm not that impressed with it. I don't know if Maxi, uh, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, um, I'm missing somebody then, and then Embiid, 
who will be the fourth player in that in that starting lineup. They listed it the other day. Um, I don't know how many games that wins. There's a lot of teams in the East that are much better now. We have to also look at the schedule and see who they're playing the first month because it might be an easy schedule. Um, so that's the other issue there where um, I, I, don't, I think that the Sixers might feel like, oh, we could be okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't get the greatest feeling about that lineup without Ben Simmons. Uh, but that's not even the point. The point with what their issue is on the Sixers side is obviously the playoffs. You could get great play out of Ben Simmons. You get that all-star play or what merits an all-star selection for Ben Simmons during the regular season. But, um, for instance, I went through the Game 7. I'm, I'm prepping a video. I might actually just analyze Game 7 in a really like really drill down and possession by possession, even into the fourth quarter, because um, that is a microcosm of the whole issue with Ben Simmons. So he makes a couple plays early in the fourth, and it disappears completely for like eight or nine minutes. And when you watch what he's doing in these possessions – He's either just standing by the block and getting in the way of Embiid, who's now trying to like face up. And by the way, he Embiid would still score. He jabs that, jabs that, shoot a free throw line jumper and score a couple times. Uh, but he's doing that because he sees the floor and like Gallinari is just standing there in the lane right next to Ben Simmons in the way. Like he would not. There's no lane for him to get in. Um, they're setting a lot of. He's setting a lot of screens and he's doing a lot of uh, dribble handoffs. Uh, when I try to explain why what would make Ben Simmons better in the half-court offense to make him more viable than just standing around like that is he should be the one catching the handoffs, turning into the lane with a strong left-hand dribble, and then he can finish with a right or set up guys for threes. They don't do that at all. They have him relegated to basically what a big man would do in the 90s, uh, or maybe even just a power forward in the 90s who didn't, didn't look to shoot at all. And he's playing by the block in the bunk dunker spot. He's playing and setting pin downs. Um, it's just bizarre because when you watch him involved in those actions, they sag off of him and get in the way of everybody else. And, uh, and when they do score on some of those, I was going to share one earlier today where he does a handoff to uh, um, Curry, and uh, I think it's um, Collins is guarding Simmons. He just is so far off, Simmons doesn't care and can come up the entire works. Now, when they come back around, there's like another handoff, another screen or something, and then Curry ultimately does get like a floater and scores, but it's like, the hardest shots you're getting, right? Because exactly why there's no um, there's no uh, Ben Simmons gravity at all. They don't care about him shooting at all outside of like one or two feet, and uh, and they don't need to worry about him even shooting it, shooting it, much less making it, because he won't shoot it, much, you know, and much less miss. Um, the of course, when you watch the game seven, he gets down to the the end there. He spin moves on uh, in the post, is right at the basket, and he gets it up to uh, the thigh ball who gets fouled, and that was probably the last draw. Uh, we see that Ben Simmons was really upset with what uh, Embiid had said and then what Doc had said after Game 7. Um, I, I think that they probably would have been smart not to talk to the media. I think they would have gotten fined, but um, if they wanted to keep Simmons at all happy and or at least get, have the option of having him come back before they trade him, then they shouldn't have said anything. It's tough after a Game 7 loss like that where they had a lead, big leads in two of those games in a row and lost them um, in that whole series. So you got to be really concerned about, um, you know, what you say in those moments in the heat of the moment. Doc, not as much, but I could see, like, it just sounds like Ben doesn't want to hear from anybody. Doc was trying to get in on, like, you know, fixing his free throws. That will solve everything. I'm not sold on that. I see why maybe if he got better at free throws, he wouldn't just give the ball up so quickly being worried of fouls. But um, from a practical standpoint and training standpoint, improving his free throw stroke isn't going to suddenly make his jump shot any better. That Those are two separate sandboxes that don't necessarily play together. Um, and that's a whole other round. Uh, we don't know. We've seen a couple clips uh, that maybe Ben Simmons is shooting better uh, or shooting, you know, a little bit. But we've, we've seen that a lot in the past and it has not worn out at all. Uh, Gautam Kumar, thank you. Thank you so much. 
Um, why hasn't Dame asked for a trade yet, even after Portland's disappointing offseason? I think Dame is that kind of guy who simply won't doesn't want to get in that situation where he's a bad guy, especially in a place like Portland where that reveres him to the nth degree. Um, I think he's going the way he gets out is it has to be as quiet as possible so that they know that he's willing to do it and that the team is going to take the hit on this one and trade him. I think that it would I think that Portland would have an uprising. Now, if they get someone like Ben Simmons, I suppose that helps. But uh, it seems to me that if there was going to be a trade, uh, then CJ would probably be the guy that they would give up for that one. And I, I think CJ would be awesome in Philly alongside those guys, uh, letting him run the show a little bit. And then, by the way, letting Curry just get more. Curry is really good. Curry deserves uh, to start probably. You know, I think his size and maybe just being Curry, uh, Steph's brother, for some reason, gives him doesn't give him the kind of run that he deserves. And the NBA sleeps on those kind of guys all the time. Look at what Dallas did. They let him go when they could have kept him, thinking they needed a bigger player like in Josh Richardson. Total nightmare. And then meanwhile, you got Curry playing deep into the playoffs, and the get Dallas Mavericks are knocked out in the first round. Um, you know that, and then you know you, you're watching Curry on TV that whole time. So that that's a that's a big in, uh, interesting question for them uh, and for the NBA itself. Why they like to like forget about these six one guards uh, who can do a lot of damage. Uh, Wesley Stone, thank you so much for the super chat on the YouTube side. Uh, what seed will the Sixers be minus Ben Simmons next season? That's a great question. Well, obviously, we don't know if it's minus Ben Simmons, but plus Dame, right? Then they're the number two seed, right? They could be, they could be over maybe even, you know, um, the Bucks. I, I would say that the Nets are going to be number one anyway. But um, the, the, the Sixers become a lot more relevant. And they're simply not relevant right now. I feel like uh, there's a bunch of teams here where, you know, even with Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Philly, um, you know, how far the Celtics have fallen until they can prove that they've done, they haven't done much in the offseason. I don't know what's going to happen there, but I don't think it's going to be great. Um, who else are we talking about? The Hawks. The Hawks are going to be terrific. They're going to get DeAndre Hunter back healthy. That's going to be huge for them. Um, let's see here. There's another move they might have made that the, I'm forgetting of the Hawks. Maybe someone will tell me in the, in the, uh, in the comments. Um, so the Hawks are going to be, I think, very viable coming off of that really important. Um, experience they got in the playoffs so uh you know we we can't forget about maybe indiana with rick carlisle coming in there with a new culture uh that that could be have a a severely positive effect on them too and it certainly make them just good they're a good team and they could be a lot better now so um those are the teams you know that are going to get left out here philly could be really disappointed if they don't quite make a, a, a good deal and um i'm not sure even if they keep simmons I guess what the point is, is when the locker room gets toxic like it is, then you, you just got to get rid of him. You have to trade him. I, I had been saying this. If you were following me and listening to me, I've been saying this for maybe two over two years that this pairing wasn't going to work. Uh, why wait? And uh, they did. And here they are. And now not only did they wait, uh, heartbreak city with the game seven loss um, due to a lot of the Simmons issues that he has. And then um, now he's upset and complaining. And now they don't have a lot of, you know, it's harder to have leverage to make a good trade and get value back. Uh, in this situation it's weird because usually you don't have a team that has four years left on the guy's contract demanding to get out like that that's that's a strange situation for for them for sure uh wow more super chats thank you thank you thank you this is a great sunday happy sunday to everybody um cody copeland says what are your thoughts on scotty barnes number one four pick okay so scotty barnes is, is florida state i believe which is acc am i correct and when i'm saying that i looked at that the other day um, I'm going to do a deep dive on him because I'm doing a series with the ACC where I have a lot of access to all crazy, crazy good footage of them. So uh, he will be my next guy. Um, I think I looked at a couple of st- uh, clips of him the other day and was like, uh, I don't know. People are high on him. And I, I w- it wasn't grabbing me right away. 
But um, I'm going to do a deep dive. So stay tuned. Probably this week, um, I should be able to get to it later in the week uh, and do a nice Scotty Barnes uh, episode. So stay tuned. So, Cody, don't miss that for sure. Thank you. Uh, Mark Minet, Mark Mean, thank you, thank you. Can we trade green one for one? Steph is already alpha. Can we trade green one for one? What does that mean, though? Can't we trade green? Green being Danny Green? No. Or is it Draymond Green? No. Who are we talking about? Steph is already alpha. Which green? Is there another? Wait, who's the other green that's on? The, I was talking about the Warriors. Damn. Mark, come back to me. Maybe in the regular chat, I'll, I'll, scan, I'll, I'll scroll down here. Draymond for Simmons. Oh, I see what you're saying. Draymond. Can we trade Draymond for, for Simmons? No. They would never do that, right? They would need something more. They would need Draymond and... You know, probably a guard. I mean, not that they'd say Draymond and Wiggins, maybe. Like, they would need something like that. But I don't think that the Warriors want to trade Draymond, even though he's a handful. And, we, you know, they did catch Kerr uh, mouthing the words of what he felt about him at some point a couple of years ago. And uh, I, I know Coach Kerr was able to um, come up with an interesting uh, explanation for what he really said. But I think it was pretty clear. But even still, uh, and that is the other thing, is the Warriors fans were getting really excited about maybe getting Simmons. And I was like posing, well, imagine a starting lineup with Looney, Simmons, and Draymond in there. I don't care if Clay is 100,000% healthy. Uh, it doesn't seem optimal for them, how they want to run or run it. Now, you know, maybe you play that lineup 10 minutes a game and you go to small ball really quickly and you stay that way for most of the game. You know, maybe, maybe that works, but I, I'm not that high on it. Although people were sort of saying, well, you know, because Simmons is basically Draymond. So, okay, that is the, the point. Um, you know, as far as Draymond and Simmons, like, okay, just get rid of Draymond and you get the defense uh, similarly that, that Draymond brings. But it's not really similar. What Draymond does as a quarterback off ball directing the defense is something that Dennis Ben Simmons says, it definitely does not do. It's not even close. So that, that's, that's going to be the issue. Uh, from a Philly standpoint, though, yeah, I mean, if they wanted Draymond, like, why would they want Draymond? They're already dealing with a guy who can't shoot and doesn't spread the floor like that. Um, you know, I mean, unless they got something, you know, back. Uh, like another really good player, but then the the the, the match the uh, salaries won't match up because I know Draymond's getting paid a lot of money too. So I don't think it works. I think that the the, the package you're talking about is like Wiseman and and Wiggins because um, Wiseman's on a, on a rookie contract, so his contract's a lot smaller. I would hate to see the Warriors give up Wiseman. I think he's going to be an All Star eventually. I know they don't have any time to lose because Steph is getting older, uh, and that makes sense. They have to sort of. Um, you know, go for broke, but um, it would be great for the Warriors to figure out a way where they can maybe upgrade in the margins Wiggins or something, uh, but keep Wiseman. I would like to see that happen. So um, thoughts on the Knicks draft picks, Grimes, McBride, and Roca, Steelers or Reaches. Gosh, darn it all. I, I haven't, you know, I've still been remiss. I haven't done a deep enough dive on all those guys, but you know, I was talking to my buddy, um, Adam Stanko, who's the resident expert on all the draft stuff. And he was saying, he's like, we got to do something. We didn't do it then because it was a weird time and, and whatever. But um, so I apologize. I can't give you any, uh, any, I'm not going to BS and make up some things from a random post I saw about any of those three guys, but I will do, um, I think we'll do, do some sort of live show and we'll, and we'll focus on a lot of these players or maybe we'll just do an edited show and I'll get clips and stuff like that. So, um, you know, keep, keep your eyes open for that. I, I do want to do something or maybe if they start playing well, then I'll, I'll try and um, I'll try and do a spotlight on them because, you know, the Knicks deserve, uh, you know, some love. Although I just did the Knicks, uh, video guys go out and watch the Knicks video. I feel like it wasn't actually, I think it was catching up, but let me look here real quick. The Knicks video I just dropped, go watch it. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's doing okay. It's a weird time, right? Where everyone wants to watch baseball and now football's coming back in. Ugh. 
Um, but anyway, don't forget, if you're out there on the YouTube side and you want to chop it up, come on on the show on the Green Room app. I want to hear from you guys. You don't need to hear me talk for an hour straight, do you? I don't need to. Um, and then you'll also be, you know, I'll, I'll post this as a uh, as a, um, a podcast as well, which gets listened to a lot, believe it or not, even still. Uh, all right, Caps Lock caught my eye. Good for you uh, in the uh, YouTube chat. Ben Simmons for Shea Alexander. I can't believe they'd ever consider trading Shea, Shea Gilgis. He's too good. He's on a good track. He's on a good contract, um, you know, and he can actually shoot a little bit from the outside and then create. I, I wouldn't do that. I mean, it, that's the problem is Ben Simmons' value. What is his real value? Uh, I think a lot of it is ends up being in the uh, the regular season when he can dominate and, and overpower people in the in the uh, in the full court, and then you know offensively you can kind of get away with some stuff with that. Where once they get into the you know, the playoffs and they isolate him or they ignore him more as a concentrated defensive uh, concept, it just makes it so much harder um, on the on Philly, which is why just any anybody else that can spread the floor like you can replace. Ben Simmons, the way they run their offense with like PJ Tucker, you know, that kind of a guy. And they, they probably would be better, even though obviously PJ Tucker is not nearly as good as Ben Simmons. Um, and I, I was just reading like, was it Stephen A or someone was like, he's like, you know, it's, 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 it's Ben Simmons fault. He just needs to shoot. He just needs to be able to start shooting. Like as if you just snap your fingers and you do that, but it really requires the, a specific kind of training. I mean, listen, you could discuss the, which hand he should be shooting with uh, all day long, I can't, I mean, at this point, if you want, you know, I know Tristan Thompson did it with free throws, but if you want to switch hands on a jumper, uh, I don't know. That would be as unprecedented as I can imagine. And I just, I could see why he'd be reluctant to do that. But um, you can almost argue that he just simply needs to shoot with that left hand from the outside. Just, just make it be a little bit of a threat. Make it be something that they think about, you know, he'll probably make a few of those and then that would be the the, the difference. And, but he won't even shoot them. And then the free throw thing. So it's a, it really makes him unviable in the playoffs. And that's the name of the game for Philly because obviously they want to win a championship. Um, okay. We have another super chat. Thank you so much, Anthony. Wow. A lot of very diverse uh, group of people out here. Um, Anthony Villamil. Thank you. If Kawhi doesn't make that shot in 19, Philly probably wins the title. They can win with Ben. You're sleeping on Miami, healthy Depot. Oh, I am sleeping on, on Miami as well. Absolutely. Um, and we have a couple of people want to jump into the, um, the chat over on um, Green Room. So we'll get to you guys in the Green Room in a second, but let me just finish that thought. Um, you're absolutely right. If Philly – okay, who would Philly have beaten in 19? They would have beaten um, – if they, if they – oh, yeah. Well, okay, I mean, we don't know if, like, KD goes down. Obviously, Philly – I don't think Philly beats the Warriors if KD stays healthy. Um, but, but if that still played out, then yeah, uh, at the very least they get to the NBA finals, which is another, you know, telling thing because now was that, uh, remind me, was that, um, was the Raptors and Sixers, that was the semi conference semifinals, right? The second round or was that the finals, right? I can't remember now. I think that was this, the second round, right? Someone second can remember, round, remind me of that. What's that? Second round. Second round, right. So, you know, Philly would have still had to get by Toronto. I'm, yeah, no, uh, wait, now I'm going crazy. Toronto beats Philly. If Philly beats Toronto, they have to get by who in the conference finals? The Bucks. They would have beaten the Bucks then. They would have yeah, they probably would have beaten the Bucks. Yeah. So I, I, that's a good point that they can they can win. Like in you know getting the finals probably would is a, is a is a you know a thing. You know what? It might be worth even going back and watching that specific series to figure out wh- like how that how they even got that far. Um, you know what I mean? Why, why was it, why, why, why were they viable so much with Ben Simmons out there? What was Philly or what was, uh, Toronto not doing right that they did like a couple of years later that the other teams were that made it so hard. Uh, anyway, any thoughts up there on the, uh, 
on the uh, green room side? Jimmy Butler was a big factor that year. Um, he was a perimeter threat oh. that they just don't have anymore. I mean, I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. I feel like if he's your second best player and you have a legit yeah, that's a good point. Jimmy Butler was there, and that mitigated some things. Defense. You know, who's a different kind of player than like Seth Curry, who they had later last year. Uh, but you also got you know the defense of Jimmy Butler too. Um, that's interesting. Okay, that's a good call. Good call. Anybody else? All right. Well, jump in here. Somebody tell me what you want to talk about. We got a lot of people in the room now. Man, so coach, I. I... I got a crazy suggestion. I don't think anybody has mentioned yet for a team for Ben Simmons, right? Okay. The Denver Nuggets. Oh, no one's mentioned that. Nobody. Jamal uh, for who? Because Aaron Gordon. No, because we they tried that with Aaron Gordon. I don't know if that's gonna work. Right. Well, you see, yeah, because you're thinking Aaron Gordon and Ben Simmons in the same team. That's interesting. But it's the same thing as like Draymond and Ben Ben and Ben Simmons together. Um, but who would you trade for? They gotta, who, who would Denver give up? I would trade Jamal Murray. No. Wow. You not trade Jamal no. Murray for Ben Simmons. You cannot trade Jamal Murray. No. Yeah, I, I, that's a weird one. I mean, why, why would you want to trade Jamal Murray? Is like because he's injured a lot now, and or something like that. So what? my thing is, and maybe it's because I'm really high on Michael. Can Curry. I say why the Warriors make the most sense? Yeah, go ahead. Well, 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 we'll finish the Denver thing real quick because I want to hear that, that, that thought. No, I would say because I'm really high on Michael Porter Jr. and I'm also really high on Monte Morris. I feel like you can get that same production from those two, but I feel like Ben Simmons with Nicole Jokic, who is a much different big man than Joel Embiid. Like all that handoff action you talk about, all the awful movement, like. Ben Simmons would thrive, I believe, next to Jokic, and he would give them that defensive presence that they don't have virtually. You know, at, th- that's an interesting. Th- that's interesting because yeah, because now you know Jokic, and we and we kind of saw that with with um with Aaron Gordon, right? Like there's a similar thing, yeah. although Aaron Gordon doesn't have, doesn't have the ball, doesn't facilitate that way, but the passing, the the cutting and stuff could be there too. I don't know. I just feel like the league is looking for shooters. They're looking to spread the floor, not make it smaller. And I don't. I just don't. I just don't see in the half court in the fourth quarter of a playoff game how you play him. Now, maybe you don't play him. Maybe that's the solution. But like you're paying the guy a lot of money, and uh, you can't. Right? That's the other problem. Uh, he, he's a conundrum. He, he's stuck. You know, not like he's a Kenneth Farid or anything like that who got stuck uh, on his way to being like a really great player, right? And then the, the league just changed overnight, and then everyone just gave up on him right away, right? Which is kind of sad because I still feel like he could have been viable as a player. But um, I, I just don't know. I mean, okay, Jokic, you know, you look at that lineup. S- Simmons, Jokic, um, uh, Gordon, Porter Jr., really Will Barton. Phoenix get him? If, if, if Phoenix turned some of those no-name wings they got that caused them to lose the finals into Ben Simmons, could they oh, wow. then have won? What no-name? I'm name? just asking. They got a, a wow. big exactly. You're like, not exactly like defending them by name, Cameron, like Bridges or Cameron John. Yeah, like if you, like, like if they were just like, okay, <laughs> okay, but they weren't good enough. Dude. Like, okay, <laughs> like, 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 hear me out, hear me out. Ben, ben Simmons is at, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ben Simmons is at his best when he's doing a Blake Griffin impression, pick and roll, short roll, dunking, kicking it out. You know, but like all that other stuff that they try to make him do, that's when he fails. So. 
Just right. have him be Lob City 3.0 or whatever you want to call it in Phoenix with with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and have um Aiton sit in the dunker spot like DeAndre and you know right. work with that. Well, but the, the problem here is I think is that works. Philly makes it clear they want like a starting quality player uh, and I think a, a guard yeah, and they want like a number one pick. And probably another player, right? They 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 want what uh, the, the equivalent of a top ten player's value. So, right, good luck. And un- until they let go of that, which you know, to go from that to then Bridges and um, Cameron Johnson, who I uh, who I love, I love both those but guys. But those guys love can it. shoot, and you didn't have any shooting around him beat, But those guys can actually shoot. Yeah, it, like, you're just talking about you know, to go from there to there. Um, it would take a long time for them to even rat, because get, Philly's get to that not going to move him to the Warriors for Draymond because Draymond's going to be the same damn problem, and he's older. Like that's yeah. the thing. Like you, you need something at least viable back that you can put together. If you can't get, you know, sometimes two nickels make a dime. You know, right? Well, no, but that's but, no. I don't think the deal would be Draymond. I think it would be Wiseman um, and Wiggins and, and a pick. Right, that's what they would want. Um, and the Warriors, you know, the, the Warriors could do that if they felt they would, it would move the needle more. But I, I think like Beal is the kind of guy, if, if Clay was healthy and they could play him at the three, which they certainly could, I like bringing a guy like Beal. You know, that would be insane. Uh, you know, Beal and Steph and, uh, and, and, and Clay. And then you throw, you know, whoever and Draymond next to them. That, that's, that's a tough team. How do they afford that? What's that? How, how do they afford that kind of? How do they afford that? Um, that's a good question. Well, Wiggins' huge salary is oh, similar yeah. to Beal's, I think. Yeah. Am I crazy? I think it's a bit less, but yeah, like here. Yeah, there's a lot of big salaries. Yeah, so that I might mean, actually work. I mean, listen, Wiggins works for me too. With alongside, play is healthy. Wiggins is good. Yeah, I mean, by, by the way, he's really good if he's like the fourth guy, not the third or the second, right? And so that's what would happen once uh, Clay gets healthy. But we don't know. I mean, I, we saw Clay moving around. Is, is, is yeah. he a third though? If he plays in the Warriors, he's, he's still a second option to me. Ahead of Clay not, well, not if it's nah, Clay out there, option. right? Because I know I, I still think nah, he's a third option. option because the, the almost he's, also, he's a worse player. Matter. But at the end of the day, he's still going to have more usage, and he might that, take more shots. Then who? Then Clay. No. Plays from an injury. Nah, nah. Nah. Oh, well, no, okay, fine. No. It, it that team healthy, an assist. That's what I'm saying. They might ease Clay. He would leave them an assist, but he would not leave them in shots. Like, would you not be surprised if, if, if next year, for some reason, Clay averages 15, 16, and, and um, Wiggins averages 18, 19? So he might do that. All right, I mean, only if Clay is like a shell of himself, which, you know, all right, that would yeah. be possible. But if, he, if he's healthy, I would. I couldn't picture he's Clay not, not being the second leading scorer. He's not going to be so, completely healthy. He can't miss two seconds come back as if nothing happened. But we just, um, yeah, I mean, I okay, be, that's reasonable. I can easily see Wiggins yeah. being the second leading scorer in the regular season because Clay well, Wiggins, Wiggins, Wiggins scores more than Clay, if you want to put it that way, just in general. He scores is more. This, is this our way of fading the Warriors? Are we just fading the Warriors yeah, right Wiggins now? Wiggins always on teams where he's taking a lot of yeah, no, that's true too. I mean, I, I think that's the problem is we, the Warriors just don't know what they have because they don't know what Clay is like. And if Clay is healthy and he can move uh, well, then they're uh, they're a top team 
And if not, although again, there's, I'm sure it's gnawing at them. Wiggins, Wiggins is an interesting question. Not like Ben Simmons, but there's a similarity there as far as what can we get out of him and how much can we rely on him, especially down, you know, in, in deep in the playoffs. That's the thing that kind of sucked. I think they would have really loved to have gotten in the playoffs because they want, they certainly just wanted to see how Wiggins would react. As far, if, as far as I'm concerned, he's never played in the playoffs. Is that correct? Yeah. Wiggins, we've never Wiggins, seen him in the playoffs and what that would be like. Oh, no, actually. Did they make it once with the Tibbs or something? No, Minnesota. Yeah, 2018. Minnesota. Once? All right, let's look at that because now it's worth seeing. When Jimmy Buckets did. won them that, that, went, that playing game, right? Didn't, didn't that what happened or did Denver won the playing game back then? A playing game. No, I think they got in normal. No, 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 no. It was like a record thing. It was a record thing. It was literally the last yeah, game of December. It was because of record. Yeah, here it is. It was, uh, in, yeah, 2018. They lost in the first round. Um, let, let's go look at his, his stats from that year, shall we? Just because I'm kind of curious. Wait, 2018 playoffs? Is that what I just said? Yeah. Um, traditional. Man, Nobody played well. 2017 18 playoffs. Except uh, Jimmy Minnesota. Buckets. Yeah, go ahead. Jimmy didn't even play well in that playoff. No, nah, Jimmy Buckets was the only one. So yeah, Wiggins averaged 15.8 points. Here it is, 15.8 points. He, yeah, him and Jimmy were tied for the, lead, the team lead in, in points per game. They, uh, Wiggins shot 44.1% from the field, 33.3 from three, two assists a game. Like, yeah, he did not play well at all as far as box score production, five, five six. Uh Carl Anthony Towns was, was you know, actually – Interesting enough, he shot well. He's, he only scored 50 in a game himself, but he shot yeah. 47% from the field, but only 27 from three. Uh, but he grabbed a ton of boards. Uh, there were probably a ton of boards to grab. Uh, wait, so who was that? Who did they play against in that round, in the first round? Houston. Oh, Houston. shoot. You know, yeah, that was – okay, Houston. Yeah, oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah so that they lost to Houston. Um, right. So that's an interesting um, – and, you know, it doesn't really tell you much, and I think the Warriors are really concerned about that, which is why they'd much rather bring somebody else in uh, at the, the next level of Wiggins. But, again, this is all Chris weird Middleton. because and anybody who makes – well, why would the Bucks ever do that? Middleton's their best player. Oh, I no, mean, he's the their – Bucks would never get rid of Chris Middleton. Middleton is not their best player. He is their most important fourth-quarter scoring cool. person. <laughs> right? Makes the only reliable shooter they got, right? Yeah, and and Middleton is probably like their best defender, second best, whatever. And he just won a title. You can't really trade him right now. Yeah, you can't afford to trade him anyway. But um, if you trade him and it doesn't work, the backlash you're going to get for that. Exactly. Well, by the way, if you can imagine the backlash that Milwaukee would give to the team for trading Middleton, you can imagine that it's ten times that for Dame. Um, Even if Dame is like, even if Dame doesn't say anything, and then. you know, they trade him, even though it doesn't seem like he demanded the trade, even though he might have. Uh, they'll, it'll still be a backlash. Cause you know, sometimes certain, I mean, I feel like in the past we've seen a couple teams where they've been able to trade a really popular player, but they're like, you know what? He gave us a lot of his career. He played as hard as he could and we wish him well. Like, I don't know if that's going to happen at all if Dame gets traded, no matter what, however they, he, you know, portrays himself in this situation. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be tough. Um, I mean, it would have to be like LeBron, like that. They'd have to get such a great player back for them to even like consider not rioting. Um, I no, think I, anybody out there from Portland who wants to weigh in on this one? I, I think Dame's a great actor, though. He's a great what? He, an, an actor? Good actor, yeah. I think he could easily make it like a like – he, he can easily change the narrative if he wants to. I think that's uh, the kind of person he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I think he's probably happy in Portland. He's got the run of the place. And, and he, you know, he, he, the team has been very competitive when he's been there. 
Um, you know, but I guess the question is, you get to some certain point in your career, and it's what ten years in now, where you know he's not smelling the finals, uh, and and he wants to get there. But I like what they did. I mean, picking up Larry Nance is going to be big for them. I, I don't know if it moves the needle, obviously, to get them in the top, you know, four. But yeah, I don't know um, Connor from the Ringer is huge on Larry Nance. He thinks, yeah, and Kevin's a smart guy, so. um you know, Nance can shoot the three now. He's a terrific defender, makes a lot of plays on that end. He's really low-key that you don't notice. When he was with the Lakers, I was watching him a lot there, and he would just make play after play and, and you know, even deflections or just getting the right position to take away a cut. Uh, that's going to really help because their offense isn't going to be the issue, right, with the Blazers. They're going to be able to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. It's always been their defense, and, um, you know, he, he helps that. Uh, you know, Covington makes sure that they're, you know, is a good defender as well. They, they're, they're putting some pieces together and they've always surprised. And if you want to bet against them, uh, you know, at, at your own peril, then there they are in the second round or they make the conference finals. You know, they made it, I think they made it twice with Dame, right? I only remember once personally. Only once? All right. Like, I can check real quick. I feel like it was twice. Let's see here. If I go back here and I go, uh, Trailblazers, where are you? Portland. The internet's a wonderful place. The Golden State, and they got smoked. Uh, I see one one conference final. So here's what here's Dame. Uh, second round, first round, second round, first round, first round, conference finals, first round, first round. Okay, so only one. Um, all right, we have another uh, super chat that uh, wants to come in here. A little bit off topic. Thank you so much, Zachariah Dossie. Thank you, thank you. Um, a bit off topic, but given his last performance, do you think Giannis will be the best player in the league next season? No. No. Well, I mean, if you want to take the last performance being the last game where he's making all his free throws, right? That does shift it a little bit where all of a sudden now he's he's not. Remember, I think it might am I correct in my mindset? Like he got rid of the ball a couple of times in the fourth quarter of the, one of the games before the last game, scared to you know didn't want to shoot the free throws. Um, so if that changes and he starts to make seventy five percent of his free throws, that does change the calculus a little bit. Um, I mean, he's going to be top three, right? He's got to be top three, KD, him, and I'm, I, mean, I don't know for LeBron. LeBron probably won't be the way this is going to happen. They're going to ma- load manage and stuff. So who would be the third then? Steph. Let's just Steph. Steph? Okay. Steph, yeah, there's sure. probably somebody else we're forgetting, like is it Kawhi or something like that. No, I, I, but, no, I'm sorry, Kawhi is out. I don't think Kawhi is there. Luka Doncic. Yeah, he won't play. Yeah, Lu- right. yeah Luka could be in there. Um, but, but you know, if we're going to compare Luka to Giannis, like, yeah, you could say Giannis is, is – you can put him above there. So uh, I think it'll be – I think if the free throw thing gets worked out, then, then I, I would feel a lot more comfortable saying definitely like, yeah, he's, he's one, two, or, you know, one or two or three tops. I mean, you know, no lower than that. Uh, if the free throw thing becomes an issue still and they're, and they're ignoring him, whatever, then I have a hard time because it's like how can you be the top player in the league? How can you be a top three player when you never get a call of a, for a, a play in the fourth quarter or the end of the game? Right, because they're going to follow you. Like that doesn't work for me. It, and by the way, it's the Shaq issue too. It's like how can Shaq be considered an MVP when he'll never get a last play call for him ever? He never did really, right? Because they they were going to follow him. They put him on the line. So um, that's an issue with me. Where it's like you need to be able to be good enough in that situation then to be to get the rest of the stuff. No matter, I know you're dominant. I know you can do a lot of stuff. But at some point, it's where it matters in the, in the end of the games. Why? What's well, okay? What's up next? We have a couple comments here in the, hey. uh, in the in the green room. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, coach. Um, I'm sorry if someone asked this before, but in your opinion, let's say you're Ben Simmons' personal trainer. Where do you see like assuming he does not get marginally better at shooting? Maybe he starts attempting like 
three more mid-range shots a game. Where do you really see him in a role in an offense? Do you see him as right. a Draymond better or I mean, the, the way I see that he could be much better, I mean, by the way, someone said he, he sets up more three-point shots than anybody else. I, I don't know if I've seen where that is. But it might be true, which, by the way, again, he's very viable. But the, my mind is you have to get him away from standing near the block because his man just gets in the way of everything else. What we've learned in the last 10 years in the NBA is the spacing is really important. And by making it easy in the defense that way, then it, it bogs everything down and makes it harder. Not like you can't score, but it makes those percentages harder to, to, to keep up. Even if he's so, on the wing, isn't his defender going to cheat off him like heavily? Uh, yeah, he but uh, he, he will. Well, that's interesting. He's doing Dwayne Wade cut, backdoor cut thing. Right, right. Okay. So the, the difference between spacing on a player who doesn't shoot and a player who does is probably like a step or a step and a half. I don't really think it's that much real estate, but it's, it matters in the context of getting a catch and shoot where you can get open for an extra quarter of a second. That matter. That matters. But in real estate terms, I really don't think it ends up being a whole hell of a lot. I mean, okay, with, it would probably be pretty extreme uh, on the margins with guys like Draymond and then Simmons, where if Draymond's above the free three-point line, his man can't be in the lane. or I mean, he can be for like the 2.9 seconds, but they'll dance around there, and then they'll wait for you to step right out and lane and boom, and, and attack. Um, so, so the best way for me to see Ben Simmons dealing with it, because, you know, in the, on the modern NBA offenses, they let him bring the ball up, but most of that role, if you bring the ball up, you're going to make a pass, and you might not see the ball back again. And that's what allows him to then hand off or whatever and then go wander down to the lower, the low post, right? You need to keep him engaged where he's spread and then coming off of handoffs. Now, there's a lot of other – I'm sure – by the way, we, I did see like uh, ball screens in the post, which is really good, uh, viable for him too. But um, the thing that keeps getting stuck on for me is he needs to be on the right side of the floor, and you need to do the handoffs to him – so he's catching it and turning into the middle. That should be the majority of the possessions he gets in the half court. And then obviously in the full court, you're letting him go free and go crazy, which is really another viable opportunity for him. So if you don't do the handoffs to him around the wing area so he can break down the defense going strong to the hoop, then I don't know what you're doing. And they don't do it enough, if at all. Well, I think that he was – I mean, I don't really – I don't like Ben Simmons, obviously, because like the three-point shooting problem. But I do think that he was in probably the worst elite team – for his skills between Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. Most elite teams do not have those type of scores. Most teams have wing scores. Mm-hmm. So it could be that his weaknesses were overly watched on national television, and he might be a lot more viable in a regular offense than we think. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm, I'm willing to go with that. Um, uh, yeah, I, okay, so let's now – Open our minds. Joel Embiid is the only post scorer in the league, probably. I Meaning that's well, purely post. Maybe Tavonta Sabonis. I'm saying Jokic stands outside. All these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the way, Embiid gets outside a little bit too. Let's let's give him you know that's props cool. for that or whatever. But but I, I hear you. He's probably the most like physically aggressive guy down there. I mean, Jokic does it too, but in a different way. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, listen, Tobias Harris is a wing scorer. I, I don't. I mean, right? I mean, let's see how many threes is he taking these days. Is he not taking a lot? He probably um, won't take more. It's probably not what he's most comfortable with. He's probably more comfortable with that old school. Yeah, pull up. Uh, let's see. Tobias Harris took, um, yeah, three, a little over three a game out of his 15 attempts, which is, you know, a low frequency for a guy to be considered, yeah, a, a, a wing or an outside scorer. And there's no question we know that Tobias loves to get in the mid range and pull um, and get to the hoop. So, you know what? It's an interesting point. I mean, obviously, to me, Ben Simmons is a, is a center. Let him play center on defense. 
and then let him have four guys who are going to spread to the ultimate degree around him, and almost like in that Giannis way. Like that's probably what Ben Simmons should be. And instead, you're right. He's got Embiid uh, alongside him. He's got Harris alongside him. You know, it helps to have uh, Seth Curry there, and then they have a couple other guys who can shoot. But then you know, you, when they they threw out. You'd have Embiid, you have Thibault alongside him, right? And then that becomes a problem. I don't think that Danny Green shot well in the playoffs, in my, if my recollection is, prop, is correct. I don't think they're so scared of Thibault either. Uh, what's that? I don't think they're so scared of Thibault either. I don't think he helps so much when he – whatever. I think he's a great defender. No, he's not at all. I mean, they're going to ignore him completely. So, so oh, that's yeah, a good yeah. point. And by the way, Russ – you could argue that Russ has the same issues too when, when he would not get the proper spacing alongside like Robertson and some other guys – uh, he he played much better when they can get it spread, like even with a, alongside of James Harden. So, yeah, I, I think that you're right. I think there's there are some versions of the Matrix where where uh, Simmons can be, could wouldn't wouldn't be in a situation where he is now, where they're like we can't he's not viable in the Sixers and we can't you know we can't play him in the playoffs. So yeah, but but that's my mind's eye. I think he should play center and uh, force the other team to have to match up with him and go really really small because um, I don't think I mean is he going to get bullied by uh, Embiid if he's guarding Embiid? Like maybe, but maybe not. He's Simmons also that's really like the strong. probably the best scoring center. He's I don't know about He's gonna bully every center in the league. Yeah, I don't right. think Simmons. The fact that he yeah, can guard the thing he's bullied by He's more of like a one through four guy that can guard some of the less effective post fives in the post. Right. I just think that Simmons needs to be on a team. He needs to play the most of his minutes where he's the only non-shooter on the floor, right? Like, if they could figure that out, then uh, – and by the way, Philly could, you know, it would be nice if they could figure that out too, but uh, they can't because obviously Embiid's going to be alongside him, and so the most you're going to have is three. And, you know, if, and by the way, and I love Thibault. He deserves to play too, but if they're going to do that – uh, then, then that's going to be that's always going to be the problem. So well, I think he I shot well in the Olympics. Where, where can that? he go? Did Thibault shoot well in the Olympics? He did. I think I think he did. Uh, I'm not I, exactly. I know sure. I saw him make a few, and, and, and you know it looks okay. I've always been amazed that Thibault can play four years in the in, in college and come out so unpolished on offense. I don't know what the deal is there or what they were doing up there, but um, they let him down. There's no question. A four year player at, at at a college should be much more polished than he is. Um, and I love him, and I think he's you know obviously I think he's I think he's a better defender than than Ben Simmons is. But um, it, you know it's just strange to me he it, you know it, his offense it looks to me like he didn't play college at all. You know he should be much better. So um, I have another super chat. Thank you, thank you so much from Tunde Pizzle. Thank you. Isn't Harden better player than Greek Freak and Luca? Oh, you know. So here's the thing about Harden that we didn't we we ignored him. We're talking about the top three players is uh like Harden if they're all healthy in, in Brooklyn like he's going to win the MVP right like i think he's going to end up averaging a triple double and looking amazing because that's the best version we're going to get of him where he's not doing all those iso multi dribble pull-ups uh, isos he's doing uh, he's facilitating and then scoring when they need him to and he can do that cuz he is so good um honestly i do feel like the, the way i what i had seen in those little I mean, little evidence we got of everybody healthy uh that Harden was the man He's the MVP of the league uh, playing alongside those guys. So, uh, yeah. So, as a result, maybe we need to put Harden in the top three as well. Um, and then and then that bumps down. Right. That will bump down Giannis, too. Harden, Harden could conceivably be the number one player in the league this year. Believe yeah, I don't think so. I really do. Man. And he might play some defense because of uh, his role on the offense is be a little bit lessened because of that. So, watch for that. Hot take. Yeah, I don't think he's the man on that Nets team, but I definitely believe this is the best version of Harden because, as you said, they don't live and die with those high pick-and-roll isos or just, you know, his isos in general where he gets fatigued. 
mm-hmm. and then he could play a bit more defense just because he has that energy to exert. Because you see, during the playoffs, I think the whole Harden the choker thing is more of a he can't at the end of those games. He just doesn't have the energy to go at the teams because he has to create all the advantages, you know. He didn't really have outside of CP3 and Russ when Russ was healthy. He didn't have that second person that helped him run the offense. He had to create for Eric Gordon. He had to create for Trevor Ariza. He had to set up Capella for those lobs, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's not a hot take. I think everybody recognized that the issues he had in Houston in the playoffs were all related to, like, just fatigue. Like, he just got worn down. And it's funny because they obviously – the Rockets looked at it analytically and said, okay – we, the, the best, uh, type of shot we're going to get is something generated from James Harden. Like that clearly is what the numbers tell us. So that's what we're going to do without necessarily factoring that in that like, A, it can wear you out over the course of the whole season. And then B, when you get to the second round of the playoffs, the defenders you're going up against are really good are, and are, and are even more focused than they would have been in the regular season. And so all of a sudden, whatever that you're trying to generate that you've built over the course of an 82 two game season isn't going to work very well at all. And you're going to miss 27 threes in a row. Like the, all those kind of things happen uh, based on that. So that's why they, they can't, they, they, they probably learned the lesson that you can't really, you know, wear somebody out like that. Michael Jordan learned that as well. And so not only did they bring a couple better players in to help him offensively, but the system they ran in the triangle also was able to better balance the floor and make it more difficult for the uh, defense to load up on him. And then it created easier shots for everybody else. Remember, offenses like that aren't aren't for the stars. It's for the role players who will let you down if you don't give them a – uh, an offense that will uh, they, where they know the shots are coming and they have rhythm and then the catches and it's not just sort of stilted and you're standing in the corner for five straight possessions and you finally in the sixth one touch the ball. Uh, that's we've, we've known that for a long time and I think that the Rockets got got a painful lesson in that one. So uh, another super chat. Thank you so much on the YouTube side. Uh, nickname Tooncat. All right, thank you, Ben. And this is all caps by the way. Ben Simmons is Lamar Odom without a jumper. Uh, yeah. Okay. I can see that. I mean, Simmons is even more explosive as an athlete than Lamar was, but Lamar was what made it unfair for the Lakers because he was a guard at seven feet and he would handle the ball. He'd initiate the offense. He'd fill in like the, almost like a Scotty Pippen role. And it was, it was unfair for the other, other teams because then he could play defense too, uh, and be that big. So, uh, that was an, un, you know, a low key un um, what's the word underrated, uh, advantage the Lakers had all those years with Lamar. Um, okay, we have another speaker coming in here. And uh, what's up? What else are we going to talk about so far as we're going through here? Anyone else want to jump in uh, here? And say Coach, something? can I just mention something quickly? Um, yeah. Someone mentioned uh, the Ben Simmons the, to, for Jamal Murray. I don't actually think that's going to happen on a practical level. Um, that yeah. being said, if I'm Denver, I'm well, I, Denver's front office, let's say, I'm not exactly so happy with what they did. I kind of th- – I don't think – I think they're just stuck in that second-tier playoff team along with probably Miami now, although Miami got a lot better. But I, I'm not exact. I do think that Denver has to do something. I thought they'd make a move they, at Kyle Lowry. But they didn't do anything, right? Can I jump in? Or DeMar, I thought they'd make a move at DeMar DeRozan. Like, I, I think they really do need another score ball handler. I don't know what MPJ is going to look like. All right, can I jump in there? Um, yeah, I don't understand why you're saying they need a healthy Jamal Murray. If they had a healthy Jamal Murray, they would have been like a top three team in the NBA. So I don't, exactly like they, I don't know what move. Wait, 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 let me just finish. I don't know what move they could have done, other than getting a healthy Jamal Murray back to like actually yeah, be. Right, I'm not sure. I'm not sure of their cap situation. 
Yeah, I mean, have I'm to go into right the tax. The I mean, if you want to win a championship, you're going to have to go into the tax. If their owner flakes out and doesn't re-sign the, the MPJ and Aaron Gordon, then they might as well just blow it up because that that's the that's their best chance at winning a championship they're going to get in the next ten. Right. Do you now, think the current roster is good enough to win a championship? I'm just curious. I think it's top three, and I don't. It depends on how it breaks. Um, I'm, by the way, I'm forgetting now. You know, Jamal Murray tore his ACL on April 12th, so he's not coming back. Yeah, he's basically uh, missing this whole year. So they're basically this year yeah. is like a gap year. No more. Oh, okay, he'll be the punting on the year. Yeah, so there's they're going to be screwed. And, you know, and and uh, you know they brought back Austin Rivers. You know, he's one of those guys too who you know, I think he puts a ceiling on your team. And they were relying on that guy. Yeah, but, I mean, know, they, they're, they're not paying him much, so they just brought him back because he was basically all they could have got. Right. I mean, and that's fine. Minimum contract's fine, but like, that's the problem. They got Will Barton back and Jermichael Green. Uh, and actually having Paul Millsap go away is not bad. I think he was, I think he's kind of washed. He just went somewhere. Where, who just picked him up? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. By the way, now that's not the worst either. He might be okay in like, you know, 15 minutes a game there. Um, but he, he looked washed to me at all completely. And I don't know if he's got much left in the tank, but, but Brooklyn, you know, they're, they're already, uh, they're already so good. It's so funny. Are Lakers fans excited about DeAndre Jordan? No. Okay. That's what I think. I wouldn't think so. But I don't see what he brings to that team. They have the White Howard as that rim protector for when AD's out, and I don't see what role he's going to play with the White. I think they're going to split the. I think they're going to split the center. Do center by committee with Howard and. Right, unless somebody's hurt, because I think it's going to be they're going to have to play AD at the five a lot, and I think when he's not at the five, Dwight Howard. Yeah, yeah. Well, just an insurance policy at that point. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yep. yeah. And by the way, they they got a lot of run out of using uh, uh, Javale and Dwight when they won the title uh, together. So they're probably yeah, trying to recreate that. I mean, listen, they, they miss with Dwight. Russ now. They're going to have to play AD at the five. I mean, Russ, yeah, yeah. they're going to need that optimal spacing, and the only way to get that is with AD at the five. And AD is better at the five than the four anyway. I feel like at the five, he's definitely a top. Three, four player at the four where he can't utilize his defensive greatness to the extent that he does, and he's not exactly in that position where he could impact the game as much as he's capable of. He's like a top six, seven ish player. Okay, I think defensively yeah. he actually is just as good at the four. It's offensively, I think it's just the offense opens up when he's. At- uh, it, it, yeah, it kind of, I mean, it, it's weird because what does it even mean to be at the five? It, it I think means now when I look playing, at it, I usually Nick, say – It means is he playing with another center? That's really what – Right. Well, so, yeah, so but if Marcus falls there, then he's Right, because he's going to play the same way on offense, right? I think – I mean, I know, okay, so if you had Dwight next to him versus, you know, uh, somebody smaller, then it changes the, 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 the spacing of the floor, but it doesn't change what AD does, right? I, I feel like – I mean, unless you want to show me some stats, which could be interesting to do, the chart, chart – he, he gets 90% of his post-ups when so-and-so is on the bench. Like, that would be interesting to look at. And maybe that's true. Um, but I don't know. I feel like he does whatever he wants to do. Yeah, like, no, Nick, I agree with you. Plays. I think it's more the team offense functions better when he's at the five, just because the uh, space. Yeah, right. Well, that's true. Right. And that, that's true. That's why it's like we, the smaller you go, like, the better, the you know, you end up scoring. I, I think the worry, though, is that, we you know, it's, at some point, like, yeah, Ben Simmons is going to be a center. 
right? Kenneth Fareed is a center in the league. Uh, Kevin Durant is a center. Like that's what you're going to play. That body type, even where I, you know, you're going to you're going to not see the Jokic's anymore in the Embiid's. Uh, I mean, that's that's what it looks like. Although you say that, and then all of a sudden you look around, and you got look. There are a bunch of kind of big post up guys still around who are thriving. Even a guy like Harrell. You know, Harold's a center too, even though he's what six seven, maybe right, and he's uh, and he, he doesn't shoot. Um, so but he's a defensive liability. He, he yeah. is, he is, but but not as much as they made it seem to be when after AD went down and they didn't play him anyway. Like that was weird, but anyway, we talked about that a lot on the show. Um, so anyway, the point being that like, I always say that to me, it feels like it, it's an, an inevitable that we're moving towards smaller and smaller and smaller because when you do that, and that's when you get uh, a more efficient offense. Nick, I disagree with you. I think we're moving towards more skilled guys, but they're still going to be tall. Like, you look at the next draft, you got, like, Chet Holmgren, who's, like, a seven-foot wing. So, like, yes, technically he's a guard, and he plays like a guard, but he is still seven-foot. Okay, so that that's the point I'm making too. Then, I, I, so I, rather than say height uh, specifically, it's like the way that the side, the big brutish, you know, low post guy, you know. But by the way, I say that, and then the uh, the Bucks win a ch- title, getting offensive rebounds by you know punishing the, the Suns and the boards with uh, Brook Lopez and Giannis, uh, and kind of going big. Uh, which, by the way, could also have a thing. Some other team could do that and play two traditional big guys, hammer them on the boards. I think you can make that work too. So um, there's ways to have it happen. My, I guess my worry is that because, you know, ratings are going down and the, the game is becoming so uh, – everybody's playing the same way. I wonder if it sort of is losing interest, like it's kind of not as exciting and interesting anymore. Uh, very well could be one of the reasons why. Obviously, having the Bucks and the Suns in the same in – the, in the NBA Finals, you know, just simply – there's just not a big enough fan base for those two teams to sustain a really big, you know, uh, rating uh, on TV. But um, – but I'm worried that there's an overall issue with this, like the way we're watching the games and how much we're enjoying it. Does that make sense? I think the biggest issue is officiating because every time I watch oh. basketball with a player, with someone who's not like a big NBA fan, they're like, that was a foul? Really? Like, yeah, they complain so much. Like, come on. And the replays. Uh, replay too. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's, that's an interesting take. Uh, is it the refs issue too? Probably. I mean, listen, I think it's everything, right? You got to factor in all these things. But, um, that you know, it's funny. I should try and watch. I still think it's the super team. Watch. I still that? think it's the super team inevitability aspect of it. Where I mean, I know that like in, in the two thousands, there are also like maybe like five teams that make the finals. But I think like everyone basically is resigned to the fact that if everyone stays healthy, it's Lakers and Nets in the finals. I think it's like the general consensus. And I think that happened with the Warriors also, where like there was just inevitability of the regular season that were like, well, why do we care? The Warriors are just going to get healthy and then make the yeah. final. Right. Yeah, but so, that, that final is going to have like the best rate. <laughs> right. So, but we, but in the in the meantime, we're everyone's kind of sitting on their hands, waiting for that. I guess is the point, right? So they might not watch it as much. I mean, listen, there are some really fun teams to look at and watch. You know, you got to watch. Do I have here on YouTube? You can see behind me, um, uh, John Morant, right? Like he's he's amazing, and they and they got a little bit better too. And everyone's no one's talking about Memphis at all. Uh, they just picked somebody up, who or they just they were just involved in some deal, but not a huge deal. But who was it? What did the oh, Memphis yeah. do? Um, anyway, so they did something, but, um, but you know, no, they, they traded Chris Dunn. They picked up Chris Dunn and Carson Edwards, but they're going to yeah, probably yeah, yeah. cut both of them. So yeah, that's right. Chris Dunn. I mean, Chris Dunn, you know, showed some ability, uh, but man, he's, he's on his whatever fifth team or whatever it is now. 
Uh, a couple super chats. Let's take care of that. Could take care of business real quick. Andre Garcia wants to say, are we overhyping Ben Simmons? Is he really a franchise player you give the keys to or a good number two or three option? You're right. He's not a franchise player. And that's just simply – and I think he, may, he might feel like he is. And making the all-star team might make you feel that way. But he's without question not a franchise player. He is your um, – you know, I, I suppose he could be a good number two because they did get to the, they did almost beat um, the Raptors and they would have, you know, probably gotten the finals that year, but probably would have, could have, should have Prada. It doesn't necessarily, you know, be as much as a great compelling yeah. argument. Also, I, was he the cool on that team? Yeah. I, I'm going to say three. You're right. A damn great point because Butler, I'm going to say three. He's a third option on a, on, on a really good team. And, uh, and that would be a really good team because remember, the defense is also a big part of that. So, um, that's what he is. He's not a franchise player. He does not merit, you know, a, a first round pick, Buddy Heald and, and Halliburton. You know, that, that would never happen. Now, uh, if, if, if the Sixers could get that, like I said it last week, I'm like, that, that's a no brainer. They could bring in a really promising point guard who play that position. They also have a shooter alongside of, uh, uh, MB that would really help them. Um, and then they, they get a pick. I, even if they don't get the pick, that's a great deal for the, uh, for the Sixers, then that would simply never happen. Uh, Nikhil Attar, thank you, best friend of the breakdown. It's great to see you out there, Nik- uh, Nikhil. Uh, are the Lakers trying to emulate the Bucks by going big? Is this a viable strategy, or do they have enough shooters to create space now? It's funny because yeah, they, they they've been going big this whole time, right? They when they were when they won the title that year, they didn't get um, they got a lot of offensive rebounds. They didn't shoot threes. They didn't shoot threes well, and they made it all the way to the finals and won in a, in a bubble year, which again is so it's proving to be an anomaly. But um, I think the Lakers are trying to emulate what they did that year when they had JaVale and Dwight with now Dwight and John DeAndre Jordan. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, is it emulating the Bucks or emulating themselves? Either way, they're obviously trying to get the band back together in some weird way. Uh, and it probably will work as long as LeBron is, is healthy and AD is healthy. Uh, wow, another, another big uh, super chat. Thank you so much from mindfulattraction.org. Um, it looks like he's sending it from Mexico. So, mil gracias, senor. Uh, this league is looking bad. Free agents are not going to, to the same team and stacking up the decks. How is that fun? Championships aren't worth the same anymore because if you have a chip roster, almost every free agent will go to you. I mean, we've seen this in the past a little bit where, they, you know, a, a guy toward the end of his career is great, like will go and join some other people and try to form a super team. So it's not like it hasn't happened before. Uh, and it didn't seem to affect the league negatively that way uh, back then. Um, you know, but I, I suppose the argument is, isn't it more fun to watch a team draft guys pick up a couple guys in free agency and build that together over a course of several years and get to a championship. Um, yeah, I mean, that's nice too, but you're right. Obviously the, the, uh, what it seems like has to be the way to do this now in the last several years is, yeah, is to pick them all up in, in like a pickup game. Um, right. And that's, that's, that's part of, part of it too. I think that that's part of an issue of uh, people not wanting to watch as much, obviously. I actually love the whole super team thing because when you look at guys like Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, you know, other all-time great talents that were stuck in subpar rosters. And yeah. to see your players, you know, they're struggling like that. Even Melo in New York, right? He could have went to Chicago, formed that team of, of emerging Jimmy Butler, Joe King Noah that was just coming off an MVP caliber type season. Uh, Derek Rose, he wasn't MVP Derek Rose anymore, but 2015 Derek Rose was still really nice. You know, this whole player empowerment thing, I love to see players, instead of shrinking in small markets or playing for dysfunctional front offices, taking their career into their whole, into their whole hand. Cause players, the fan bases, some fans are going to talk about, you know, either way, look at it. Either way, 
If you're KD, okay, you went to a 73-19 row stacking the deck. If you're Tracy McGrady, oh, you never made it out in the first round. So anyway, people are going to talk about you. So yeah. you might as well just right. Charles Barkley, you know, Carmelo, best Malone. career. Yeah, Barkley Malone the same, and they they tried that. They you know, Malone went to the Lakers, that big the, the, the Hall of Fame team, and Barkley did it in Houston. And those ended in, in injuries, unfortunately, to both of those guys because they got to the end of their careers. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I actually – when Durant went to the Warriors, I got really excited because I could sense that this style of play wasn't going to be individualistic. There was going to be a lot of ball movement and a lot of skill and, and just fireworks, which is what we got. Um, and so, so I, it, depending on how that, that all – how the style of play – you know, we, I think we, we had it for one season. Right. Oh, right. Fair enough. It got a little bit different after the first one, but – um, like the Philadelphia 76ers in the late 70s, they had picked up um, um, Al, uh, not Al McGinnis, McGinnis, George McGinnis, who was like a you know Hall of Famer, uh, to go alongside. At that point, I was it Moses Malone was there maybe, and then they had like uh, Dr. J, and that was a bunch of individuals. They didn't really play like a team. They got beat by the the, the Portland Trailblazers and their and their only uh, t- title. And so that's not what I would want to see. But when you see a team that's actually like they share the ball and they spread the floor right and they and they just play like a team, at least from a coach's perspective, that's what I like to see. So whether or not it's if it is a super team like that, then I'm all for it. But if it doesn't, if it devolves, then uh, then I'm not. You know, I just want good basketball, right? Is it, is it a crime? Um, you know, the thing with the Nets, by the way, is if you can stay close. If you can get like you know even a little two point lead down the stretch, you're going to get Kyrie and KD to take terrible shots. They might make those shots, but that's what they'll default to, and that's your chance to beat them. And that would be really, I would be really excited to see that because I'm always for the underdog anyway. So you have to imagine that you're going to have instances where the underdogs they get a chance, and that's going to spur interest and make people really excited about it too. And uh, you can't have an underdog without the overdog, right? So you got to have some of those teams. So. Uh, I don't know. It's an interesting conundrum. This is a year. I think this is a very important year for the NBA. I think they need to figure out what what makes people want to watch and and somehow get those uh, the ratings back up in the face of COVID, either winding down or spurring up whatever is going to happen with that. They need to figure out something that the product is what the people want to watch more. I I get bored. I, last year I was bored. It was it was a tough year to watch uh, basketball, and I, I haven't been able to put my finger exactly on exactly why. But uh, I think a lot of people agree with me. Should they bring back? Oh, it's a good question. I mean, here. So here's the thing. I invented the new the threes. Uh, what, what's that? It would definitely like everyone complained about too many threes. I think yeah. I think he's right. It's an interesting idea. I think it'd be for nasty basketball, like in whatever, like yeah. the early 2000s with like Tim Duncan posting up. But it would take away the three point. It, well, okay. In the in the essence that like if you can hand check, you can stop some of the drives, and then you stop the rotation, then you stop the kickouts, or you stop Curry like, dancing yeah, okay. around. Yeah, although, right, because now you can hand check. I don't know. I'm trying to picture somebody trying to put a hand on, on uh, James Harden's waist. I, I, he's just going to cross over and get right by you if you get in that position, right? Like, I, it's hard to imagine with the dribbling as good as it is now. Back in the day, it wasn't that good. And so, yeah, hand check was a lot more effective. I, I'm going to explore that. I'm going to talk to some NBA guys and see what they think about that because, in my mind, if you're trying to get in a position defensively where you're kind of reaching out with your hand and now you're weight shifting forward, uh, they're just going to go put it uh, right by you, I, even if you get your hand on this hip, I think. Um, but but that's, a, you know, it's interesting. We haven't seen it, so it's, it's theoretical. But that would be my take on it. I would be nervous as a defender to do that uh, or, or try to do like the traditional hand check. Um, 
But you never know. That might be something. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they lately they, they enjoy the freedom of, of movement. You know, the offensive ratings continue to go up and up and up year after year. So clearly what they're doing defensively doesn't work. It's not really effective. You need to get way out of the box, which is why I'm trying to invent this new way of, um, of playing defense, which we play behind the guy. And uh, I'm developing it. We're going to get maybe a high school team to run it this year. Maybe I can find a college team or a national team to do it too. Is where, where I'm in discussions. And uh, we'll get some more data. But uh, I think we need to get really radical uh, the way we're playing defense completely to, to try and try and change what's Nick, happening with the offense. I don't understand that, Nick, because in high school basketball, you don't have great three-point shooters. So why would you – like, I understand you want to play a defense like that. But in high, in high school basketball, unless they have great shooters, well, you don't need to play. Uh, I don't know where you are, but, like, we're seeing more and more high school players being able to shoot the ball from, like, three, four feet behind the line. Yeah, but what are their percentages? Uh, you know, I mean, most high school players are not shooting right. at above 30%. Uh, well, I mean, well, let's see. It's, it's been a while. When I was coaching high school and, and, I, and I finished in 2013 – uh, I had one of the best shooters around, and he was around 35%. Yeah, but I'm saying, but for um, so, our offense to work, you need more. Oh, you, are you just talking about defending that one player? Or are you talking about the whole no. I, I created the whole zone where you play behind the guy. And, and um, I, I think it would wreak a lot of havoc, which is what you kind of want to do on defense anyway. Um, but you have an interesting point because uh, – but it's not just that. It's also taking away the, the pick and roll. Like if you're guarding the guy if you're behind him, you can't set up all screen for him. Now, you can also argue that in high school, they're not running a lot of pick and roll. But in certain areas of the country, they are. They've, a lot of teams have adopted it. And so you can take it away. Now, that said, my defense, I'm thinking about maybe just introducing it as a pick and roll defense, where instead of icing it, where you get on the side of the guy and force him away from the, the, the ball screener, you just jump in behind him. And now the ball screener has nothing to do. He's like, I can't screen you. You're behind the man. Uh, meanwhile, the, the ball screener's defender is dropping, which is what he'd be doing anyway. So, uh, so I'm kind it's of, kind of like the lock and trail, right? It's, it's, it's similar. Yeah. Except it's, 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 we're doing it a little early. So yeah, we're getting to that point because, you know, you see lock and trail all the time, right? But I'm doing, so it's not that radical, but, but I'm doing it sort of as a zone in, 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 right off the bat, which eliminates pin downs and eliminates ball screens, eliminates shooting the three because you're not going to shoot a three of the guy breathing down your neck. But what it also you what, it makes a lot of sense if you're guarding someone like, yeah, no, I mean, and it's, it's rooted in how they guarded Harden uh, for the the Jazz guarded Harden a couple of years ago in the playoffs. So, yeah, like, but here's the thing, like, at the NBA level, at the very least, because uh, people would say, yeah, why would you want to do that against, you know, uh, these non-threats uh, on offense? Well, at the NBA level, I want to be, I want to get behind P.J. Tucker. I want P.J. Tucker to put the ball on the ground a couple of times and find out what he's going to do with it. I want Jay Crowder to do that. You know, the league has uh, at any given time, you're going to have at least two or three of those players on the court in the NBA who all want to do is catch and shoot. They don't want to sit there and dribble the ball, the guy behind, the guy in front and like, you know, have to make decisions. So that's what makes me excited about it versus like, oh, we're going to just sort of contain those guys and not worry about them being a threat off the dribble or anything. But but we'll see. It might it might crash and burn. But for right now, what I've seen. I look forward uh, to watching your video. Yeah, I, so I, I presented it at a, at a clinic, and I have another session I, I edited with a, a bunch of, like, Euro League-level uh, pros doing it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all I need now is a couple teams to just run it so I get some real like, real data um, with games with refs. But, uh, but the point being that we have to do something, you know. Even the switching stuff isn't really, like, working that well. The, 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 the offensive uh, efficiencies continue to go up, um, and, and that's a problem. I feel like we need uh, – and that would make it more interesting, too, to see, like, knowing a team has this – then the question becomes, 
with a, is a defense I'm describing like a base defense that you run all the time, or is it like a 12 possession a game thing just to mix it up as a zone? Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of questions there that I, you know, it, we're still in the infancy stages. I'm working on it, but uh, at the very least, it's not that radical because, like you said, in any kind of drop coverage for uh, pick and roll. The guy's behind the ball handler. The other guy is in front containing, you know, hoping to get a, a mid-range shot out of it. Um, I'm just sort of eliminating the ball screen part where they're not going to be able to set that because there's no one to set it on, really. Um, by the way, it requires a whole other uh, set of skills. To, to play from behind and know how to pressure that way properly is, you know, you have to learn how to do that. With uh, I'm sure there's going to be techniques we're going to develop and then also just experience. So, um yeah, and my favorite part of my, my my defense, though, is that the top guy in the defense in the zone gets to face the basket. And so when we got everyone else dialed in, he's now – he can see everything, and he was getting deflections and steals all over the place because he could finally see, whereas every other zone you'd ever see, anybody up on playing a top position would have his back turned the other way and wouldn't be able to see anybody. So uh, that was exciting to me at the very least, so we can figure out how to make that work. So, uh, well, listen, we've gotten to, um, you know, the end of the show. It's a nice hour and 10 minutes so far. Uh, and I can't thank everybody enough for, uh, for being out here. All the super chats. Let me make sure I got everybody. Did I miss anyone? Um, oh, my goodness. Forgive me. I, I have a couple of super chats to take care of. Um, Paul writes, uh, thank you so much for Paul. I think Simmons might not be the answer for a lot of teams just off game mentality and its confidence. He might see his own game as better than it is. I, I think that's true. I think he also might not be like, you know, well, listen, I can't speak for how he is in the locker room. I, I don't know that for sure. But um, I, what I can tell from the body language on the court is he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who lifts people up and, like, has a joy for the game. And that might be – he needs to rediscover that, and that also may be part of it. So good good call on that. Um, and they're right. There might be a couple of very specific instances where we can find the best of Ben Simmons. Um, but there might be a lot of other teams that just simply don't have a roster that will that will benefit him. And then Kevin Castillo, thank you, thank you. Uh, liking super teams is great if you root for players like Garnett and Mello examples. But what drives overall team overall viewer numbers is team success. No chance less used. Another great point as well. Right? Are you a fan of the logo or are you a fan of the players? I always felt like I was a fan of the of, of the of the team, but like the, I wanted to know the players specifically. And um, so it's a kind of a, an interesting um, crossover on that on that take because. Um, but I think you're right for the in the in the general sense overall. Yeah, it's like the overall viewer numbers will definitely go down when the team is not doing well or doesn't feel like they have a chance to win against, you know, the uh, the Nets and the Lakers and those kind of teams. So, um, you know, but we've had that in the past, right? We've had these super teams before, and it really hasn't led to this uh, as it has now. So uh, a lot of issues. I, I like the refs as an idea. Uh, I think the streaming, illegal streams is probably part of it, too, where there is the interest there, but they're not watching in the traditional formats. And so the numbers aren't being counted the way we normally would be. Uh, I think it could be part of it, too. So, um, you know, but yeah, I, I like like Jamon Jamon says in the comments, you know, he's a fan of the sport. Uh, I, I want to see great basketball. That's all I want to see. I want to see ball movement, player movement, sharing, enjoy the game. You know, I want to see people enjoying themselves playing the game. Uh, those are the things that I think are important. So uh, speaking of enjoying, I enjoy this discussion a lot. A lot of people are out there want to talk about it on YouTube. I hope you guys came over to the green room too. And uh, you can chop it up with me every Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific and then Wednesdays in the afternoons on Pacific time. So um, that's where our show is. I can't thank you guys enough. Thank you for the super chatters. And don't forget sports fans at B-Ball Breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. Hey, are you in, guys? Oh, man. All right. 